0: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. All right, everybody, welcome to the uh, Supercross Companion. We are going to be recapping the Houston rounds, and we are going to be recapping Uh, the Nashville round that just happened. But before that, quick word from our sponsors, we are brought to you by the legends at Boost Mobile. Uh, They have just launched a new plan. Uh, Basically, you can just buy data uh, for an entire year. Uh, Can can you actually look that up, Mick? I I wouldn't mind knowing the exact... I haven't looked at the exact, the specifics of this deal. Um, But yeah, they... I was talking to the guys uh, and they said it has just been so ridiculously uh yeah successful for them. people really have enjoyed that this is something that they are offering now um so yeah basically you just do one recharge for the year uh and you get a shit ton of everything uh it's really good if you're traveling like uh, i could see a dude like brayton doing this or Medi that goes like back and forward to the u.s all the time um pardon me uh, I could see those guys making use of this where it's like you... Because I used to have that problem. I'd, I'd fly home from America. I'd be home for like a month and then I'd get a prepaid, which means I'd have to get a new number. And it just... Just every time I went back, I'd have to um, put more money on it in three months or the number would disappear. So it turns into a bit of a nightmare. So I feel like these kind of plans are actually uh, a really, really good idea.
1: So you got a... um. 12 month expiry 80 gig 150 bucks yep and then there's the 200 dollar, one 150 gig six month expiry and the big one 300 bucks 240 gig with a 12 month expiry
0: yep so uh and then i think it only works out to be like 25 bucks a month for like that much data which is pretty pretty sick um so yeah they're the new plans that i wanted to talk about uh with those guys also a big thanks to uh the guys at boost because they invited me to the WSL awards on last Sunday night so I got to put a suit on uh, I was black tie I got to walk the red carpet with Caroline Buchanan uh which was quite cool she's a bit of a uh, mega babe and a mega legend as well um so yeah thank you to those guys for inviting me uh to that I had a really really good time at the Old Star Casino uh, next up is the guys at Nobby. Like I said, it's, this is the time of month where the new stuff goes out. Uh, I actually haven't got mine yet. Uh, I I need to change my dress because it's in my old place. So I've got to go back and pick them up. Um, but yeah, everyone has been tagging me in them. They look dope as usual. Uh, you can get yourself a pair. Uh, not a pair. You can get as many pairs as you want. You can get a pair every month uh, for just $20 by going to nobbyunderwear.com.au, you sign up and then that is literally as easy as it gets. Uh, the bamboo microfiber the, that the material that they use is so good. Uh, so good for training, so good for surfing, so good for motocross, mountain biking. Uh, I use mine every single day without fail um, and it's just one less thing you have to worry about. So yeah, nobby underwear.com.au and you can also follow them on instagram at nobby underwear so uh big shout out and uh, thank you to mick for making the trip up uh, we will get into the show cool 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 all right mick we're back um we are doing a bit of a catch-up supercross companion we've had bit on over the last couple of weekends uh, so we haven't been able to bring the uh, normal Supercross companion unfortunately um, but we are back doing a little bit of a catch-up on maybe two of the craziest weekends in Supercross in my recent memory in terms of back-to-back crazy shit that went down. Um, Mick you haven't really seen much of them so this is going to be a bit of a catch-up for you too right?
1: Yeah absolutely mate it's been a um, been a few weeks since I've seen him. just the highlights package at the moment.
0: Um, all right, so I guess, dude, we'll just literally start by saying that this whole situation between Marvin and Cooper Webb might be a team manager's dream and nightmare situation at exactly the same time. And I think that we saw, well, what we saw at Houston was just like, whoa, okay, it took, I think, 12 weeks to escalate to the point where it seems like the dudes threw any team orders, any mutual respect out the window and they came together more times on that first lap of Houston than they've come together with anybody combined all season. So that was a that was a big big weekend in in the series and if you're if you're Ian Harrison and if you're Roger Acosta and if you're the rest of the staff and crew at KTM USA, there's like a bit of head scratching going on. Like, what, what do we do? What, what are we supposed to do? Like, we haven't, we haven't even seen something like this since, I think it was like Stanton, John Michelle Bale. That's how long it's been since we've had the top two dudes in the championship on the top team running one and two. And it's going to come down to Vegas between these two guys. And I think just because you go back so far, it's like we don't have like a modern day precedent for what's happening right now. And damn, if I could be a fly on the wall inside that truck on the weekend and then that race shop during the week and then you've got the bakery in Florida. (sighs) So it's like you've got these three levels of these different interactions and these different ecosystems that these guys kind of exist and work in with all these different personnel. Like this this is a crazy, crazy time for these guys to navigate.
1: Yeah, isn't it? Like it's, in, our, in this sport, it's something we just really haven't seen. Um, you go back to things like Formula One and MotoGP, there's two teammates that have a really distinct rivalry quite mm. quite often. But Supercross, there's been one person for the team that's been a standout, like an A-rider, I guess. Yeah. But look at it now. This that, is that's, huge. Yeah, that's been the
0: precedent for, for years, right? Is you have the A-dude, you have the Eli Tomac, and then you have the Sabachi. Yeah. And then you have the Dunge, and then you have the Marvin. And I think that KTM was so smart in how they groomed Marvin to be that number one dude and to replace that that figurehead of Dunge that came in won four titles completely revamped the brand and they had enough foresight to hire Marv and they knew that he would play his role as that number two dude for Dunge and and Marv knew that they were going to give him that opportunity to then take those shoes and then give him every opportunity to become a champion in his own right and that all worked out perfect. And it was going perfect. Then what happened? Until Cooper Webb come on the program. And I think, again, it was, they were looking at like this same thing of like, all right, we've got our number one dude in Marv and he's going to win us a championship and then we're going to groom Coop. And once Marv's won his championships, we're going to have Coop. But it's like, they've almost got too much of a good thing over there, right?
1: Yeah, something in the KDM water.
0: And now they've landed in this... Crazy, crazy situation. That, like, you bring up a really good point, man. Like, this is this is par for the course when it comes to, let's say, MotoGP. Like, you're a huge MotoGP mm. fan. Like, this stuff exists all the time, right? Yeah, there's walls down. The,
1: there has been walls put down the middle of the pit wall, yeah, because of teammate rivalry. Who,
0: who's some of your favorite rivals in like an inter-team rivalry? In MotoGP. The
1: biggest, I think, one in the modern era that sets a precedence is Jorge Lorenzo and Valentino Rossi. Yeah. Those two guys were... Valentino was at the peak of his powers, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Developed the bike to what it was. And then Jorge Lorenzo came through in his early 20s and was a freakish talent. Rode yeah. the bike totally different. Had a complete different personality, but was fast as anybody. Yeah. And that really um, upset Valentino at and that it point. It got heated too. got massively heated. Um, there was pushing. You know, in in podium presentations, there's pushing, there's, you know, media releases of this and that, and then the wall got built. And that got to a point of taking that rider out of that team to another team. Yeah. Valentino went to Ducati at a a point, and a lot of that was coming down to um, basically the movement of Jorge Lorenzo being a succeeding further on that bike. Yeah. Changing course of development and things like that. Who knows what's happening here? But that's one particular one. And then you go to Formula One's, you see obviously well, dude, the, the
0: Ricardo Max mm. Verstappen. And I mean, that was another two Red Bull stable mates. Yeah. And that happened in 2018 at Azerbaijan yep. in the uh, third round. And Ricardo's behind Verstappen, and Verstappen just would not let him pass. No team, like the team gave orders that Max, you're the slower car. Bang, huge crash. <laughs> both of them were penalized by the formula one governing body. And I mean, we're not seeing it escalate to that level in this rivalry between Marvin Cooper. But I mean, those first few laps in Houston was like, they hit each other more than they've been hit by anybody. And it resulted in Coop. Coop got the shits really quickly with it too. And he, it was instantly like, all right that this is my green light like Marv's running in on me a couple times Marv's made a bit of contact this is my green light like I'm good to go now I can do what I want and when I walk back in the pits I'll be able to say what I need to say and no one can call me out on it and it's like the floodgates just open and then he pushes Marv off track and it's forcing Marv to ride in a way that he doesn't want to it's almost like we're playing this game of like action reaction Mm. and Cooper is the one forcing the action and Marvin is the one that's forcing the reaction. And it's very, very hard to feel in control when you're only basing your movements off reaction. Everything you're doing is a reaction to somebody else. Mm. And I think that there's a really stark contrast in, in mentality and the way that the way that, that makes you feel when you are the person that is constantly forced to react. And that goes down to Cooper even just getting the starts that he's getting. And then that forces reactions out of Marv. Like how many times have we seen that? He's been the fastest dude. Yeah. But Coop has got out front and basically said, Marv, react to this. This is what I'm gonna throw down. And I just I just don't see Marv being the guy that's coming out swinging and then making Coop react and putting Coop in these situations where he's off track. And you know we saw that first main event at Houston, pushed him off the track and then Marv crashed all on his own and then ended up back in sixth. So then we go in Houston. he starts ahead. Of Marv again We see Marv crash in the whoops early And now it's just this constant cycle of reacting To what Cooper's doing And it's I just I don't know if I've seen a dude so stubborn Maybe since Chad Mm -hmm. Like Chad would win championships when he wasn't the fastest rider And if Coop wins this championship That's what's going to happen Like he hasn't been the fastest dude When James won a title in 09 on the Yamaha, he was the fastest dude. The fastest dude won the title. When Villapodo won his titles, the fastest dude won the title. But I think that you could say at times for Chad, he didn't win the title because he was the fastest dude. And you can say consistency and you can say this and you can say that. I think Dunge had consistency. Crazy, crazy consistency. And the performance was just so good every weekend. But I think what you see with Coop's a little bit different to Dunge in the way that he does it, in that I almost think that Coop is so stubborn. Hmm. He's he will not give up a point. He won't give up a pass. He won't give you an inch to the left of him on the track. It's just like it's like he it, it is a dog with a bone.
1: He thrives on being on the back foot.
0: Oh honey. And it reminds me of Chad Mm. And it it seems like It seems like that sort of a version of Cooper that we've got Is this guy that like Just like you said He just thrives in this Like thrives off the back foot Loves a bit of turmoil A bit of chaos And that's what he needs To bite down on his mouthpiece And just keep swinging Mm. And I think that like let's be honest man like this is a huge moment for him like he's on the verge of becoming a Supercross champion and there's so much weight of that expectation there's so much pressure Mm. from KTM there's so much pressure on yourself there's so much wanting to win for your family wanting to like this winning this championship for Cooper Webb completes a body of life work Sure, he's he's not going to retire after this. He's still a young kid. The best years of his career are potentially ahead of him. Who knows what kind of run Coop could go on? But what this does is this puts a bookend on his entire life up to this point. You can you start racing at four years old, like the rest of these crazy kids, and then at twenty three or whatever whatever he is. How old's Coop now? Yeah, I think he's about twenty three. A 23-year-old kid, 22, 23-year-old kid, you win the biggest championship that you can win in the sport that you have dedicated your entire life to. After that, it's gravy. Like the chapter's closed. You did it. Mm. You did what you said you were going to do every single day that you're at, at school and skipping out on class and missing out on holidays and not drinking and all of the shit that you went through in your life. The injuries, the disappointments, the near championships, it's it's done. It's this is a closed loop when you win that supercross title. And that expectation and that pressure, as good as that feels, I think we've got to understand and put into context how how easy it would be to just not want any of that pressure. Like could you imagine waking up these next five weeks being Cooper Webb with all of that expectation. And he has not taken one easy way out. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. There's not been one pass he's given up. Even when he's been slower on sections, slower in... Like, he's been terrible in the whoops these last few weeks. Terrible. For a dude at his level that's about to win the championship, like, I'm scratching my head going, what is what is going on here?
1: With that early season guy go exactly Mm.
0: so but doesn't matter because he's 21 points in front and he's still doing the damn thing
1: he's still grinding him out and every
0: single time something appears where Coop could slip up a little bit take that pressure off himself instead of being the the hunted become the hunter he's just nah he's so stubborn and so staunch in not letting a person go by him, not letting somebody else hole shot a heat race or a main event, not letting anything slip through the cracks. And, and to me at the moment, I think that is what's impressing me more than anything with him is that it hasn't been going his way. He hasn't been the fastest guy. He will be looking for settings. He will be wondering why he's not getting through these whoop sections so clean. But when, Bush comes to shove, he's the dude that is still putting his bike out in front. He's still gaining points leads with four rounds to go. Mm. So I mean it's uh it's a it's a super, super impressive run that he is putting on and, and I think that this will be a championship that I think will get remembered for a really, really long time, for sure.
1: This has been one of the closest for Many years Oh uh,
0: And and like we said man The the two teammates Mm. Two teammates To be One and two This deep And it's the best team Yeah But I mean dude The situation there Is going to be pretty Pretty insane Like I heard that They don't talk on race day At all Like not one word Gets said Between Coop and them And they'll be fine That's the That's the words I got back When I did a bit of Yeah Info Info finding, fine. They're fine, but they don't talk.
1: We're both fans of the sport, have been for a long time. Um, If you're, and correct me if I'm wrong, Marv, French rider, most of the European riders that come over, they're smooth, everything's really smooth. Have you seen him push to this point before? Through the dungeon years, everything. I I personally haven't seen him get as aggressive as he has this year. It's like there's been something switched in there.
0: Well, I think that, there's a difference Um, I think there's a massive difference between wanting to win and believing you can win and I think that in 2019 Marv it's not only that he believes he can win like he should win he should be the dude and with that that's why I think you're seeing this aggressiveness there is no excuses now the, he did his time with dunge he was given he was given that chance to have no pressure to learn to hone his craft and be that number 2 dude which i think is a very very rare thing and I've, it's,
1: it's uh, I've only seen it once in this sport back to gp and we won't bring too many things to MotoGP. gp denny pedrosa so it's the yeah uh, yeah it's yeah. the same example red bull um being in that factory factory ride for 12 years i think it was uh had um uh multiple teammates but had casey stoner at a really big point yeah got positioned at the back for uh, because mark marquez came in and it's the same thing he thought his time would i think was done and it's my time to really shine now yeah then you have somebody come into that position and you you mentally you got to think you're at that point now where you're going to be that number one and it yeah. didn't happen for him Yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen for Marv but this has been a lot of how long has he been on a factory KDM for in America now? oh it's been
0: years man been six years? yeah Had to I be. think 12, 13 mm. 2012, 13 he was there when I was there like when I first got there and uh, yeah I mean that's like you got to wonder whether that was the move For Marv Was to like Play that second fiddle role Because it's like Yeah we are only Just seeing this Version of Marv now But you know what Last year in the outdoors I saw There was definitely Like some flickerings Of like this Marv I remember The race that he Had at Southwick With uh, Tomac Where he was just Giving it to Tomac In a race that he'd never win Like he's not beating Eli there Not there No But I mean he was He had that level Of fight in him But I think that there's really no excuse for Marvin to not win this year. And I mean, the only excuse is Cooper Webb, which is like not a good enough excuse. And yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing, I think too, like Marv knows he's faster, Mm. which is got to be hard because you're looking at these lap, lap sheets every weekend with Marv and he's consistently lapping faster than Coop. So, I mean, it's, he, he knows 100% that he can win. He'd know fitness wise, obviously, but yeah, it's just that. It just seems like Coop keeps making Marv react to him. Mm. And I, I really, I think it's such a, like an underrated kind of, you know, aspect of, of what these guys are doing right now and it's like that's what what you'd say like he's in the driver's seat he's making um, you know he's controlling the pace of things if you were talking about it in fighting terms it's he's breaking his will it seems like everywhere Marv knows he needs to be Coop's there just that little bit before him whether it's it's Hmm. in the first turn whether it's an inside line whether it's fill in the blanks Coop is always seems to be there you could see it at Daytona when he just couldn't pass him You mm. could see it in Atlanta Just couldn't pass him But it's not through not being faster But you know That has just got to grind you down and, and I think that some of the aggression That you might be talking about Might also just be pure frustration True That he is always there He is faster and he can't seem to get it And even when you think it's going to be a bad week Like dude the heat race on the weekend Unless he cleans out Coop jumps to the inside of him, smashes him, Coop goes down, breaks his visor. You're looking at a trip to the LCQ for Coop, which means God knows what gate pick, which means God knows what start, which means, hey, Marv might finally get up in front of one of these things. Nope. Red flag. Coop hole shots. It's just like, they're the kind of breaks that that Coop is getting and they're the kind of breaks that Marv isn't getting. And then you see, you know, Marv goes down in the whoops, first or second lap of the main event. And it's like, is that aggression or is it frustration? And it could just be frustration. And you go back, man, like, this is what makes me wonder too about this whole situation is that when we saw this play out at Red Bull Racing in the Formula One, we saw the Verstappen and Ricardo incident then we saw relationships break down so bad with those guys to the point where Ricardo left that team to go to a team that wasn't even doing as well. He's been with Red Bull for, I think it was 10 years up to that point. Marv's in a similar boat, man. We can draw some pretty crazy parallels between what happened with Daniel Ricardo in Formula One and now what is happening to Marv. And you've got to think, man, we've got four weeks of Supercross to go, but we've still got another 12 weekends outdoors where these two have to coexist. And imagine the chip on Marv's shoulder if Coop's walking around with a number one plate in his back pocket from Supercross. Mm. And then, what well, is Marv the number one dude in the outdoors or is there just one number one guy and it's the guy that won just won the Supercross championship? so man it's a it's a crazy time and these yeah these next few weeks is just going to be ridiculous to see how this whole thing plays out
1: and i'll tell you what it's good for the sport oh this is huge like the ricardo verstappen thing i don't know the figures but people were talking about it it was just growing the sport even Mm. more because teammate rivalry is rare Mm. and it's huge like it's for our sport and being supercross this is this is a big thing to see two teammates just going at it one two like the whole time so it's good to see this it never happens no it's so
0: crazy that what we are getting this season just never happens yeah and uh, i just it's been it's been so good to watch but holy shit would it suck to be marv
1: ian harrison sitting in the driver's seat this year
0: yeah welcome. he'd have some
1: conversations
0: yeah. welcome to uh team management Ian. uh mm. we've been grooming you this for a while here you go yeah. here's the reins uh now deal with this storm yeah
1: we've had roger DaCosta costa here for many years yeah they're great and then yeah welcome to this
0: yeah pretty much man yeah if if you're in uh, if you're Ian harrison right now and you're roger DaCosta, like dude i don't know what you do like i i really don't know like do you not have a dog in the fight? Mm. Like how do you not play favorites? And dude, you need what you need to do. If you're Ian and Roger is go boys, listen, you both are one DNF away from Eli Tomac winning this championship. Do not, do not make contact. That's it. That's the one rule. That's the one thing that we are saying because if, if either of you guys suffer a DNF, then we're giving this championship to Kawasaki. Mm. And I think that's probably the perspective that we need to think in terms of their headspace. Because I, I just, I don't think they can have a favorite. But man, like they've spent so much time with Marv.
1: Yeah, that's been...
0: They've spent so much time with Marv trying to win. And they the plan worked. He's... Dungy's understudy. Dunge retires. Marv walks into the driver's seat of the championship. Sails off into the sunset with a 10-year a plan working. And it's... It's changed. They have their own... Like, the reason that plan wouldn't work is from their own doing.
1: Yeah, their success. Their Just own their, success.
0: Their own success mm. is going to potentially haunt a plan that has been in the making for six or seven years
1: well if there's as you've said if there's one team order
0: just don't don't make, with each other. don't make contact yeah. don't hit each other mm. we cannot afford to have any dnfs because look at that yeah at the end of the day a ktm needs to win this championship mm. so what else we got Roxon last weekend Uh, This one just gone Or we're going to talk uh, Houston
1: Let's go to Nashville Let's start last weekend Nah, nah We've got to go Houston
0: Let's go Houston Because Houston He comes out And Rails them Mm. In the first Main event I think it was a Six second win Or maybe It was was either like Six or ten seconds Over Pretty sure Coop got Dean um, But that first That first So I guess that That's like kind of A milestone for Ken. So he's two years out with these injuries And then he comes back with his first I guess crossing the line Checkered flag win at Houston In the first race of the Triple Crown Mm. Um, That's a mini milestone Now he's not going to count that as a win Obviously he doesn't get the win At the end of the night But I mean you, you, you run that race for 10 more minutes, turn it into a conventional race. What, he's going to put 20 seconds on him? Like, he was the man that night. And then you go into the second race and he crashes in the first turn, hurts his toe, comes back to the third uh, moto, limps to the start line, puts in an effort, and doesn't get the win that he wanted. But that's got to be, like, a huge milestone for him to just... Collect the checkered flag first in a main event style format, um, and then we fast forward to this weekend. Now, I said it a few weeks ago. I think the last time we did the show that those Hondas were looking really, really good in the Whoops. Sealy looks amazing in the Whoops. Ken has looked amazing in the Whoops. This Nashville track this past weekend had a real two really like short but very technical whoop sections and ken was lighting it up by far and away the fastest dude through those whoops like it was ridiculous how good he looked through that mm. and look we don't get many times a season and we don't get many riders a season that will go fastest in qualifying. They'll get the win in the heat race and then they'll just completely waste everybody in the main event. That only happens a few times a year. Yeah. I mean you might get that at uh, you might get that out of Tomac at um, Daytona. Um, you might get that out of like marv at Seattle when he's on there or you know like you it's it's a rare thing that you get a guy that knows he's gonna win that night. Not only knows he's going to win, but everybody else in the field knows he's going to win. Hmm. You, Those dudes lining up for that, that start at Nashville on the weekend for the 450 main event, they all knew that they were about to get waxed by Ken. A hundred percent. He was going so much faster than everybody else. It was ridiculous. And the starts were there. He was... Even if he didn't get a good start on the weekend, he was so much better through those whoop sections and everybody else struggled so hard that he, he just would've ate everyone. Like it it was over. And then you fast forward to Ken flying over a berm and being stuck on the backside of that berm thinking, what the hell just happened? Mm. This was my night. This was the night that I finally got to walk on the top step of that podium. I got to kiss my wife that has been through everything with me. I got to hug my mechanics. I got all of this tonight until I didn't. And that must be a heavy feeling. And I I can guarantee that in those few seconds that Ken was stuck behind that berm and, and... You can even see in the footage that he like tries to claw onto a tough block to stop himself going all the way over. And it was, it was like a scene out of a movie, dude. He just claws onto it, the grip slips and it's all over. And I can guarantee you that when that was going down, that's what he was thinking about. This was my night. Mm. And dude, sometimes racing is not fair. And the guy that should win doesn't win. And God That was that night for Ken Like he looked unstoppable And now it's Back to the drawing board
1: You touched you know. on something there Just take a go Do you think the like new CRO for this year Looks maybe like it might be coming into its development zone mm. Like as the season's progressed Maybe injury wise he's gotten Like um, Not better but You know uh, Past the injury more that he's had but I wonder if how much of that's come back into the development phase of the CRF because it does look Cole Sealy's moved forward as well throughout yeah. the year and he's obviously coming back from a massive injury, injury as well yeah. so interesting to see obviously I'm no tech guy but to see how much they have progressed with that bike.
0: Well that bike looks amazing to mm-hmm. me. Um, it has looked really good all year. Uh, I know that Todd said when he rode Ken's setup, uh didn't ride Ken's bike but he rode a a setup that was quite similar to Ken's Mm -hmm. um that he said it was just the craziest thing he's ever rode uh it was just so different it was so uh reactive and he just wasn't used to getting like that much feedback uh from a bike and he he struggled to go fast on it Mm -hmm. um and then he rode uh like a Christian Craig setup and said it was best bike he's ever ridden wow so uh, there's some stuff that Ken does differently With his bike setup, And I don't know I don't know exactly what that is um, Aside from Sort of just what um, What Todd sort of told me But it, it is interesting And I've been After hearing him say that I've been sort of trying to watch His bike a little bit more And see if it does look Like reactionary In that way And I think it, it does look quite active And mm. um, but regardless, like they have that thing dialed through the whoops, and it's looked good for a while. Um, the stock bike is, I think, it makes the most horsepower mm. um, out of the stock bikes, which is kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know whether it just is starting to uh, come of age in that testing phase, like you're talking about, uh, or you know or if it's just a, a mix of those guys getting better from injuries. But, I mean, I, I've, I've been thinking about it lately. Is, like, is this, do we hold Ken Roxon to such a high standard that him not winning this year is a massive letdown? Because, let's put it into perspective, he has one of the worst crashes in Supercross history. Has one of the worst injuries in supercross history. there is doubt in the first few days of that injury if Ken Roxon keeps his arm mm. that's the that's the perspective we need to keep in this situation. so then being the dude that he is, he doesn't give up, he does grueling rehab, like grueling rehab to get it back to having a functional limb that he can live with, right? And then we go to the point where he's getting back on the bike. Now, I was I was playing golf with Ken after he just sort of started doing motos again, right? And it was the fucking craziest thing I've ever seen. He had no movement in his wrist, right? So... When you're doing a moto and you're in Florida and it's hot and there's sand in your gloves and everything like that, what's sort of giving you a little bit of relief in your hands is movement in your wrist. So it's not like there's just this locked thing and it's this sandpaper motion between the glove and your hand and the grips. Mm. There's a little bit of give and a little bit of movement because of the, the wrist movement that you have. So Ken had none of that movement. So he was going out and doing motos, and he was having the entire palm of his hand come off skin wise. So is he having a, like, is this a disappointing year if he doesn't win? Or do we go back to the Ken Roxon that had his fucking palm ripped off from just your average moto that he used to be able to do all the time? Like what he has had to, come back from is so remarkable and to just be back at this level now mm. like straight away like Millsaps couldn't do it you know Millsaps got head injury couldn't come back from it you know like there's a bunch of dudes that have had big injuries and and that was it they're done you know like we saw how good did Stefan Roncotta look at points in his career back injury took him out Mm. with you know just couldn't manage that Nico Izzy didn't come back Austin Stroop didn't come back all these young dudes that had these promising careers that just couldn't make it back they could not they could not make it back from the hell that they got forced into in uh into and we've got Ken at this incredibly high standard to where if he doesn't win this season, we're like, damn, when's Ken going to win? It's like, dude, look at what he just went through. And then you go through all of that and then you come back and then you break your other arm. It's pretty fucking bad as well. And then you go through that whole process again. So it's like, damn, dude. It's almost... It's almost like he should be getting some kind of warrior award just for being there with everything Mm. you know that he has been through but then again it also goes to show the standard that we hold him at like how good he is when he crashed and went flying through that stadium he was the king of the world dude Mm. factory honda lighting up everybody like He looks so good, it could have been a perfect Supercross season. So it's just, it's crazy, like, I have these moments where I have to, like, remind myself of all this. Like, there's, this dude almost lost his arm, and he's back here two years later, was in the championship conversation for the first half of the season, and I think that what's left for Ken to do with the way that this championship fight is going to go down i think that we see ken win a couple races before the end of this i think there's going to be a lot of championship noise he's sort of not in that now and i think that i think he does get those those wins Mm. that he really deserves to have
1: and the success that he's had prior to all this he didn't have to come back no dude (laughs) the legacy that he's already built um there's no chance that he had to come back to this And bro he is such a tight ass
0: <laughs> like i can't even tell you how much of a tight ass ken roxson is so did you pay for golf dude i used to pay for fucking everything when i was around him it was ridiculous dude um
1: massive dedication come oh, back to this for yeah sure.
0: yeah it's it's insane and it, and it speaks to um it speaks to him as a person it speaks to him as an athlete um and you know a lot of it is to do with his upbringing and his dad as well mm. he's a, just a crazy dude just a and i don't mean that in a bad way i mean that in like a really cool way mm. like that you should see the shape his dad is in as a fucking 50 year old man like it's out of control so i don't know he's just just had this crazy upbringing there's, there's this crazy drive there this crazy will to win and yeah like you could just be this sort of rock star cool guy dude and and i mean like i brought up nico Izzy, like that's what he was j-law all those dudes had the crazy talent that ken has maybe ken had more than them even and you see so many kids that like piss that away and then when something like that happens they can't come back from it you know the dude the demons ken would have had to come back from this is so crazy the doubt he would have had like yeah, he's a special, special dude. And I, I really hope that we see him get some wins before this season's out. It's not a matter of if, it's when, mm. whether it's this year, whether it's a 1-1 and in, in outdoors coming up. But, you know, he will be back and he will be vindicated. And, dude, I'll probably shed a tear for him when he does. Mm. Because may, maybe no one in the sport deserves it more than him right now and i think too man just it's it's just heartbreaking to to see how on he was at nashville he Mm. was on he's not he was on and then joey Savacci tucks the front and and ken had no like he had nowhere to go wasn't like he literally could have done anything it was in the air his tires touched the ground and then Joey's back wheel was there to collect him and send him over that berm. Like, fuck.
1: There's nothing you can do.
0: Literally nothing. Couldn't have done anything. So, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, sort of where I'm at with Kenny. I really I really hope he uh, gets a win. He fucking deserves it
1: more than anyone, that's for sure. Definitely. And it's just success to be, just to be back there after those things for sure. Oh, definitely, dude. Uh, Eloy.
0: <sighs> what the What do we even say about Eli, dude? So he was the first dude in like a million years to win the LCQ and then also win the main event. Uh, With the way, like he was riding good in the heat, then he obviously had bike trouble, stormed off to the hauler, and then comes out, wins the LCQ obviously, and then wins the main. Um, I think he wins the main because Ken crashed out of the main Um, I don't think that you would have seen, uh, Eli beat Ken, uh, that night. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a riddle of like, you know, you go back to Houston and he wasn't, just didn't look good. Like Marv crashed twice and passed him. Like, when the fuck do you see that? Never. So it's, um, yeah, I don't know, man. He's a, but that being said, he could still win the fucking championship. He's 21 points back. not much in it. There is like, it, uh, if you're within a... You you need to be within a race. If you're within a race, then you've got a chance. And, look, knock on wood, but Coop hasn't had, like, that disastrous race yet. Hasn't had a bike let go. Hasn't had a first-turn crowd. Hasn't had any of the craziness that can happen. And a lot of that has just been him being a fucking badass mm. and doing his job. And making his own luck but it's like we saw with ken that and even alessi the way alessi took him out in the heat race like coop couldn't do anything about that so there is situations that like no matter how much luck you but if you're out in front
1: yeah the way that he's been you win your championships on the bad day and and the bad days he's still succeeding yeah the bad days aren't that bad man
0: yep uh and also just but shout out i don't know if it's on our show notes but dino Mm. Got his first podium par at Houston. Uh, looked amazing. I was watching press day videos of him um, that someone posted. He looked ridiculously good um, on press day even. And yeah, it looks like he's got the bike working great. Looks like he is really fit. He always seems to be um, crushing the whoops as well, uh, which has been a really big factor this this season um starts being a little bit better the triple crown format obviously was good for him um I I think he can I think he can get a win this season I think he can get more podiums for sure Mm. Uh, and also I think it was cool that he did podium in Houston Uh, obviously Bobby Hewitt and Karen team owners of the Husky team they are proud Texans so I thought that was kind of cool to get a win for uh, Big Bad Bobby uh, in his home state, which would have been cool. And then you fast forward to Nashville and Dino rocks up in cowboy boots and a uh, white rock star cowboy hat and just continues to fucking win the internet. What round has Dean Wilson not won the internet?
1: None. He's been on it every round.
0: He goes to Dambles <laughs> Arian's house and fucking jumps his pool in uh, the week off at one week and mm. then shows up at the... Uh, well, dude, Marshawn Lynch jersey in Seattle has the fucking hanging out with Beast Mode. It's like every single weekend, Dean Wilson is the crowd favorite and wins the internet.
1: Best content of the year.
0: Best content yeah. that he puts out on his own Instagram. Yeah. It's like the one of the rest of the dude... Like the rest of the dude's going to figure it out. That, like, oh, oh, he's loved by everybody. And I get it. It's a little bit different when you're Marv and Coop and you're like hyper focused going into that zone of the championship. But man, Dean ain't being no slouch. He is battling every single weekend for the podium. You can have both guys. And I tell you fucking what, I never want Dean Wilson to retire. Hmm. You know what I mean? He's great for the sport. Other dudes, pff, whatever. There's another mm. kid that will come and still provide me with good racing. I'll, there'll be guys that will fill the top 10 that we'll cut back to on TV for a few seconds if you guys are in a cool battle. Maybe a transfer spot in the in the heat race. There'll be more of them. Won't be more Dean Wilsons.
1: Our sport misses entertainers. Oh. Dean's an entertainer. And
0: it's like mm. genuine too Yeah Like there's no bullshit with Dean's entertainment There's no gimmicks There's no fucking you know Tough guy thing Or there's no badass thing Or there's no controversial thing There's no dude, Even when he gets in controversy With like the whole Ignite thing It's not really controversy Because he comes out And he's just like the nicest dude about it And he's like honest And he's genuine And people are like Yeah Nah I feel for you Dean Hmm Like Fair enough. Thanks for, you know, even when he lands in controversy, he's not controversial. It's like, you don't have to, you don't have to be this crazy fucking marketing genius. You don't have to have a pitch. You don't have to have an angle. You don't have to have a sell. You can just be a good, genuine dude that enjoys the fans, loves the sport, loves the team that he's on, the people that he's around, and just like let people into that world and you're going to succeed. And that's exactly what Dean's doing now. Like Look look at him at um,
1: X and NZX he was with us for three hours yeah probably and then for the fans as they were coming through yeah there was not nothing was ever ever a problem no no
0: just a yeah it's good legend of a dude and now the results are marrying up to the level of personality Mm. that he has and that he utilizes uh and i think that that is a super powerful combination and dude like I can see Dean being the guy that is like almost responsible for like pushing the sport just a little bit more mainstream. Mm. Like Nyjah did for skateboarding in more recent, you know, like he sort of brings it into like hip hop culture or, or whatever. Um, obviously, had like Sheckler did that. Mm. I really think that Dean is the kind of guy that, you know, with the whole Dan Bilzerian thing, with the beast mode, like Marshawn Lynch, like Marshawn Lynch is one of the biggest names in American sport. So, He's like starting to kind of craft this little, little lane for himself. Like subcul- subculture. Yeah. Mm. And I think that he is going to drag these other people into our culture. And I think that it's super special. And I think that, well, I know Bobby, they don't want to let him go. I'd say he'll be there for like a full-time thing next year for sure. Um, but I really hope that the sport knows exactly what we have here. Like it's a special dude. Mm. with Dean so see him get on the box in Houston um, yeah really really buddy gave me the gave me the uh, heebie jeebies And what uh, do we expect? Gave me the willies what whatever. do we
1: expect from Colorado CBD sponsor going straight into Colorado straight,
0: I expect Dean to just be fucking blitz the entire time <laughs> no nah. nah, no he doesn't do that shit um, yeah Colorado would be interesting mm. uh, I have the funniest story of all time about Colorado with Dean but I'm gonna wait we've both said that will wait um, till he's on the podcast properly to tell that story. We've, we haven't actually told it, but it involves it involves Justin Bogle being super underage, Dean Wilson being underage, me being twenty one to twenty two, and a nightclub right before Motocross Nations sneaking out of a wheel uh, sneaking out of the. Um, hotel so there's a few there's some very good then it also involves someone getting uh, in trouble with the law yeah so but it's a six story so it's big i need to wait i need to wait we've said we're going to wait for that one but um yeah so that's our that's our colorado history but uh i, I don't know i haven't even looked at the track map for uh for the weekend i think eli will have a massive uh point to prove at um colorado back home coming off another win Uh, But I don't know I just feel like Ken Could just be Just got that Juju Mm. And could just be Dominating Um, Be interesting to see What the Bikes will be like Up there
1: Yeah I don't know What altitude is At Denver Yeah well it's about
0: uh, It's about a mile Mile high Like it's It definitely uh, It definitely hurts The lights bikes That's going to be Super interesting to see uh, Mm. What the lights bikes Are like But Yeah the 450s It's going to be yeah, I'm interested to see how big a factor that plays Like it could just be negligible um, Yeah, but I think that there might be some guys Sort of scratching their heads about it I um, wonder if Coop has an advantage Just because it'll be slower And he's like the last dude off a of 250
1: mm. Yeah, maybe so
0: That's just like full spitball um, Yeah, what else we got?
1: Probably the last guy we would touch on for the 450 So I don't know if we've got much else to go with that part But Blake Baggett Got second last weekend He's He's been pretty consistent Throughout the year too Dude he's been pretty good Yeah He's
0: been good Um, Yeah got a win On the season A uh, few podiums uh, He's made up an all KTM podium Which is pretty cool um, Yeah he's He definitely He has like a little bit Of the Tomac inconsistency though Yeah he does I don't know what That is all about um, But yeah super nice dude But I mean fuck Like you, you talk about Dean Wilson It's like we got so much Cool shit to talk about and then you go to bag it, and it's like... What is it? Yeah. <laughs> and it's nothing against him. Like, he's a super nice dude. But it's like, fuck, give, me, give us something to talk about. Mm. And we will. You know, your name comes up, you're on the yeah. box, you're doing your thing. Yeah. But it's like, I'm, I don't know, don't really have too much to talk about. Other than like, you're riding
1: pretty good, dude. Yeah, Keep that, it up. That Sunday between, you know, for Sunday for us, we get to see 40 minutes of him. The rest of the week, what do you see of Black Baggett?
0: I don't know, not much Not much um, um, But yeah, he's just not Yeah, I just, I think he's just one of those dudes That's just like so So regimented Doing his thing It's groundhog day for him Every single day of his life Yep I don't think there is a lot to show
1: Pretty comprehensive for 450s Yep I think we move on Yeah You got anything else for 450-wise? What
0: is there else? Um, I'm stoked for Sealy He's he's looking good um, Savachi looks like he's going to be out Uh, That crash was pretty weird on his shoulder. Uh, You could see it like extended and like rotated and he was hurt straight away. Um, Yeah, I guess to segue into the 250s, another dude that got hurt is Austin Faulkner. That was gnarly. So Mm -hmm. he, he just basically like got bucked and then dabbed his foot in the whoops and it was just like, it's like a blown knee for sure. Like the way that he was... Um, holding it and on the ground and like he was like punching the ground. I think he just felt it pop bad. Um, I don't know whether or not he will be able to come back this season. I'd say he's going to give it every effort he can to do that. Um, but that's like a massive ass dude. Like, mm. yeah, I don't know. That's, that's going to be interesting. Um, Martine obviously steps up, uh, does what he needed to do. Uh, which is obviously not let one of the championship rivals get maximum points. Uh, so he did that. Uh, Chase Sexton would be my pick for that championship if Austin doesn't come back, which would really suck for Austin. I think he, yeah, he deserves it. Uh, and then that's that's a long that's a long road back, uh, and he's been injured quite a lot already. Um, Mitch just can't seem to get a break when it comes to that uh, with the star 250 dudes. Um, and then, yeah, Cooper, Justin Cooper sort of went a bit crazy on the weekend, took out Chase. Chase ended up coming back for second. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be – everything hinges on Austin coming back.
1: Yeah. Three points in it. There's nothing there.
0: Yeah. Fuck, dude. So good. Like, he just was so good before that happened. But he was crashing a lot, like every practice, dude. Mm. I don't know how you crash every practice – and then pull it together for the races and just be flawless like i really think that if you're doing that well but like fuck a crash is a crash you know like you're not planning on crashing mm-hmm. it just seems weird that a dude's making a habit of crashing in practice
1: yeah, it's definitely three points like he probably had the chance to be more than that ahead at this part of the season
0: well i mean he did he, well. he really did well, he didn't in the fact of like he almost had maximum points for every weekend. Mm. And then, so it's like it's just insane that he's been riding that good that he still has the points lead after a bloody DNF. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess everything just hangs on. But I mean, even say he comes back, say he races, is he going to be the same? Three point lead's probably not enough to win that title, to be honest. Like it's probably over regardless.
1: Yep. Which is gnarly. Be nice to have him back for Vegas. Yeah, for sure. Showdown. But pfft. It's That's, not far Yeah it's hard um, Troy Lee designs This is Hopefully Obviously for Troy Lee fans This is We're going to be their year In the 250 mm. It's sort of fallen a bit By the wayside at the moment Dude
0: like That's, Imagine with With what just happened To Austin Faulkner Imagine if Jordan Smith Was still on that coast
1: Yeah
0: oh, He would have been Looking amazing To win this title and uh, I just feel so bad for Tyler Keith because he's such a great dude for one, but he's also a great team manager. Like, they run a phenomenal program. They've got amazing bikes. Tyler is a massive team player, huge support from KTM, huge support from Troy Lee. And it's just never clicked in the way that it should. It should click. There, there isn't something missing. Jordan Smith is a super capable rider. Shane McElrath is a super capable rider. Both amazing talents. And what you, you know, we've spoken about this on this show before. You've got, you've got these boxes that you need to tick to win any championship. And then the rest is up to just dumb luck. Mm. And it's like all these boxes are ticked when it comes to Troy KTM. ATM. But they just don't have that sprinkle of luck and this is another year that unfortunately this team doesn't get to hold a number one plate and I mean dude you even think about the luck to like Jesse Nelson yeah like that's a that's a dude that could have been a champion that's a dude that should have been a champion and I guess in a, in a lot of ways that dude actually is a champion he just never got to hold a plate mm. on a podium like that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, and I think that, I guess to touch on the Shane uh, McElrath situation, for people that don't know, uh, he basically... So the 250 class, if you score a certain amount of points uh, within two seasons, you point out and you have to race the 450 class for the following year. Um, we've seen this happen to a bunch of dudes over the, over the last few years. I think it's a good rule... Um, I think it's a good rule But I think they should adjust it um, Because you can see uh, A guy like Shane I mean he still is A young dude uh, The 450 class Well because of this rule The 450 class is stacked So I think we were having these years Where the lights class would be better Than the 450 class Because it was so stacked on both coasts mm. And then you'd have like the top three or four dudes In the uh, 450 class And then the, it thinned out but it was also the era of superstars with Chad, Ricky, James, K-Dub. So it's like, geez, how much room was even in there for those guys. Mm. Um, but I think that rule has really had a positive effect on the 450 class. Um, why we're seeing one of the best 450 seasons of all time. But now we're getting guys like Shane that are sort of getting hung out to dry a little bit. And then they're going to be forced into a 450 class that has 11 factory riders and zero room. So, what do you do? And I mean, I get it. I, and yeah, so I guess he's basically um, AC is going to win this championship. He missed around through through some injuries. Um, there's no point going back and pointing yourself out of a championship that you can legitimately win in 2020 on a team that can win in 2020. Yeah. So I think that's the thinking there. There's been some critics of it. Um, I heard Steve Mathis was talking about, uh, you know, back yourself, go to the 450 class, blah, blah, blah. Man, these dudes are risking their fucking lives and their livelihood every single day. If you're a young kid that has a finite time on his career and you can be on a championship level team like Troy Lee KTM with a great team manager, with a great infrastructure and a paycheck, that's what you do.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's proven you go to the 450 class on a non-factory bike yeah what's really what's the point and go there a point? winner yeah
0: look at coop coop went there like hot hot mm. hot hot championship after championship after championship spent his first two years struggling yeah it's like you need to go there hot like this is a different game now The it's elevated everywhere the expectations are up the money's up the power of the bikes is up, the weight of the bikes is up, the races you're doing. Like this ain't no, this isn't like a decision you take lightly. We saw Villapoto build to the 250 class with Alden for two years. Mm. Like his last season in a lights bike, he got bigger, he got thicker, he got stronger. He started to evolve into a 450 rider. So for Shane to just have like this thing thrown at him mid season, as was like, dude, you're going to point out there's no preparation for the like. That's not you're not giving yourself a year to go into these four fifties, you know. Like even Osborne, Osborne started doing it. He knew he was out. He knew he had a four fifty ride, mm. and he started getting on that program. And for Shane, you just want to, you want to point yourself out and throw yourself to the wolves with no deal in a class that has eleven factory riders already. No, thank you. No way. There is no... I don't give a fuck what Steve Mathis thinks about me. You know? I'm doing what's best for me, and that is to stay there. And And you look at, like... You look at Shane. He wasn't this phenom amateur dude like Adam Cincerello or Cooper Webb or Jeremy Martin. He wasn't this guy that came to the lights class with all these Loretta's titles, all this hype. All this this anticipation. Mm. He wasn't that dude. So a few years into his pro career, being a guy that's been in the hunt, had red plates these last couple of years, dude, you are overdoing your job. You are over delivering. Kudos to you. You are with Adam Cincerello. You know, you are with these guys that had all the accolades. They had every reason to win championships straight away and shane didn't and he's there and he's been one of those guys we've seen him just like wax people at red bull straight rhythm even like this dude can ride Mm. like he needs a little bit more time to really put this recipe together and i think he's making the right call by staying he you know he's going to cop some heat for it but
1: it is what it is and he's still young what's another year hundred percent. He's bro. got time. There's heaps of time and who knows, there might be a um another KTM factory ride opening up in twenty twenty one. Dude, yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Mm. Um what else we got? Um AC and Ferendis.
0: Yeah, Ferendis got his Speaking first uh first win. Uh, then I think he went back to back. Adam had that weird crash. Um but yeah, I mean, I just yeah, everyone knows I'm a AC dick rider for shell. Mm. um so i really want him to win that championship i really hope he still does um yeah that's sort of that's sort of where i'm at with that Mm -hmm. sorry facetime call coming
1: through (laughs) see you um it's sort of back i think we'll wrap up pretty soon but sort of back to the Alden thing having the boys back there training through the week this is the first time that he's had this sort of thing how do you reckon he's dealing with that Mm. i'll get back to you in two seconds
0: I just got this as dinner. Harley goes to America tomorrow, so we've got a
1: Going to get what? Nine world titles? Yeah, fuck. I don't know, man. I think he's up to like number ten. Ten.
0: Alright, I'm back. Um yeah. Do you, do you build
1: a wall in the training facility?
0: Dude, that's like so crazy, this whole thing. I mean, i feel like alden's the dude for the job really though like he comes from a military background he's a leader of that facility like he is the boss yeah he's the smallest dude there but he runs that shit um and i think that without a dude like alden that is really in charge of what goes down on a daily basis at that facility this whole thing turns to shit I believe the reason the wheels are still on this wagon in a sense is because of him and because of his leadership and the fact that that's his house. Yeah. That's his facility. You don't drive on the fucking grass at Aldens. That's how he runs his program. Wow. Oh, yeah. So I think that is going to be the thing that's like almost keeping the the train on the tracks. I I don't think You know what though, bro? Like they've got two facilities there. They've got the lights facility and then they've got the 450 facility. So they've got these two big sheds on either end of the property. I mean, it might not be outside of the realm of possibility that they take Marv and they keep him there and then they take Coop and then they keep him there. But you do that and you don't have any accountability of those two dudes having to sit next to each other in those lawn chairs after their motos and have alden come through and they they sit down they watch tape together like they do that stuff together so i think that it's that forced interaction that holds them accountable for their actions if that Mm. makes sense so i think that if they go look this is getting heated we separate those dudes i think that opens up the door for like a lot more shit to go down on just the training tracks
1: Mm, keep that bond there i think that they need to
0: keep these dudes together it's going to be uncomfortable but god damn it it's probably going to be safer mm. for both of these guys so man it, like it's an unprecedented situation what we're seeing right now between marvin Musquin, and cooper webb is unprecedented in this modern era and not to mention like we have access bro When Jean-Michel Bale and Jeff Stanton had their battle going down like fucking 20 years ago, or whatever it was, there was no Red Bull Moto Spy. No way. There's no way we're seeing into the training facilities. There's no way we're seeing these guys interacting with the team. The access we have as fans right now is ridiculous. And I think that, you know, we have seen teammates go out at one and two, but we've never seen it like this. We've never seen it to where we can actually be a fly on the wall in these scenarios. And it's like, dude, this, these next few weeks of these two guys essentially living together and battling for the most coveted trophy in all of Supercross. It's, it's crazy. Makes you want to go to Vegas. We should go to Vegas. (laughs) Does anyone want to sponsor us a trip to Vegas? We'll come and do one of these from the, uh, from the cheap seats. Dude. I straight wonder... Un, that,
1: straight under Sam Boyd. We'll be there.
0: I wonder we could probably pull it off. Feel like we could. Four weeks. Is that how long it is? I need to get a visa. I don't know. Maybe we should think about it. Um all right, well, I think that is gonna yeah, that's a wrap. is that everything? Actually just I'll check some notes.
1: Um
0: Mick, what else have you got going on, mate?
1: Oh mate. Pretty um pretty quiet cool at the moment. Just um planning a trip to Vegas and Three weeks, yeah, true.
0: Way. <laughs> um, I'm just going to check my notes. Do you just want to check that email, make sure we're not missing anything?
1: Yeah, pretty much. We've touched on Mr. Baker, Ken.
0: Um, yeah. Also, we dropped a little bit of a uh, little bit of a story on the gram yesterday. Oh, by the way, follow us on Instagram at Tiptoe's Podcast. Um, oh, I should do the sponsors too, I guess. Um, but yeah, we sort of threw an idea out there. So anyone that's on the Gold Coast, we're thinking about having a live. Uh I guess like a live podcast with some of our all time favorite guests that live on the Goldie. Uh Sam Moore, Harry Bink, we got Todd Waters, we got Michael Crawley, we got we got pucking everybody. Um so we're thinking about having a night at Nightjar, uh doing the podcast there live, but not just a podcast. I don't know, maybe make it like a bit of a cool show, uh get some cool stories to sort of tell in a bit of a different way Uh, and then obviously we'd stick around have some beers have a bit of barbecue Um, yeah so anyway we're sort of thinking about that we threw it out there Uh, the uh, DM's lit up apparently there's a ton of people that want to come to it Uh, so that's in the works Um, and yeah just I guess follow us on Instagram if you want at Gypsy Tales Podcast you can subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, which obviously this content lives there in its video form um new studio is coming along way quicker than i thought and way quicker than i'm probably ready for um so yeah we're going to be building that which yeah that's going to be crazy we're going to have the internet's not going to be a problem there Uh, a lot of space yeah a lot of everything it's going to be it's going to be pretty sick um and yeah it's coming up scarily fast we'll probably be in there in a month which is crazy to even think Mm. um but yeah, I don't know it's that's that's been going on pretty pretty uh pretty rapidly behind the scenes, but yeah, just working on on different stuff here and there um, but yeah, thank you for tuning in to this uh supercross companion uh, it is going to be a very wild ride these next couple of weeks. I'm excited for it um, yeah, thanks for making the trip down Mick, you bloody mad dog Mick has to drive like an hour two hours to do these
1: yeah, we got it a bit of a
0: yeah so everyone appreciate it stop leaving fucking shit comments nah <laughs> these get good comments people like these people just don't like me and everything else um so yeah thank you very much thank you to our sponsors uh boost mobile and the legends at Nobby underwear uh you can go to boost uh, au and knobbyunderwear.com.au uh right now this time of month is when everybody gets their nobbies. Um, So, yeah, tag me in um, on Instagram because I love that shit. Sick. Uh, It's a good time of the month. Um, But, yeah, thank you very much for listening. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.